Hi, it's great to be here uh, speaking to my friends at Cornerstone and people who are watching on video all across the United States and this world. When Terry told me that this uh, theme for this season is abiding, I thought this is a great theme. Because you know what? Life is changing really quickly. A few years ago, I uh, had to uh, officiate a wedding for uh, a nephew in England. And, uh, uh, since we're in Europe, we, we took a, a trip to Italy. And so we took these tours, and it was, it was interesting. They had these like cathedrals, domas in Italy, that took like 500 years to build. And I was saying to myself, 500 years? I mean, in America, we don't have patience if it takes five years, you know? Remodeling project, five months, let alone 500 years. Life has gone quicker and quicker. Change uh, is very, very fast-paced now. We're experiencing what is now known in America called the Great Resignation. People changing jobs, getting uh, promotions, not liking the job situation they are in. Partly, the speed and this change, you know, it's part of life. It's part of society. You can't fight it, you know, and uh, uh, new things are invented, okay? By and large, change is good. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, we need to have an understanding of change. Sure, we will do ministry different. People, singing, music, you know, how you, how you dressed, you know, uh, the place you meet. They all change. They're all the form of what we do. But there's something in Jesus that uh, we should not change. And this is what I want to talk about. I'm going to look at it in the life of the great apostle Paul a great insight to help us in times like this. I'm going to take um, the, my text from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read verse 2 and then jump to uh, verse 7. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that he cannot be told, which man may not utter. Basically, the Apostle Paul experienced great things in Christ, the full majesty that is within the throne room of God in heaven. But in the midst of that, we have in verse 7, these very interesting words that the Apostle Paul pens. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What is very interesting about this passage is that uh, Paul is talking about life in Christ on two different planes, let's say, two different perspectives, realities. 
There's a spiritual reality, which is in the experience of the Apostle Paul, uh, unspeakable. It was so great, so powerful, so magnificent, okay? Spiritual life is great for Paul, okay? If we could experience that. But then on the earthly plane, it's almost the total opposite. He speaks about this thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. We don't know exactly what it is. Was it some physical infirmity? Was it some uh, person pestering uh, Paul while he was ministering? But it was real, and it was on earth. And he prayed to God, and God would not remove it from him. Jesus said to him, uh, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. And then the Apostle Paul talks about how he can now, for the sake of Christ, he can endure insults, hardships, persecutions, you know. Life on two different planes. But in the Apostle Paul, in this great chapter, both of them are linked. The great majesty of God in understanding Christ and then the grind of life and the added spiritual grind because there's an evil in this world trying to thwart the purpose of God. Both exist in Paul. Both exist in our experience in Christ. And it's the ability to understand how the two are tied together that helps us understanding, understand what it means to abide in Christ. It means to remain in Christ, to continue in Christ, to live in Christ in the midst of this tension, one that is great and joyous, the other full of some degree of suffering. The Apostle Paul was able to manage this, and that is why he can do great things. For some of us, we think, oh, you know, if we do great things, we wouldn't suffer. Some of us wallow in our suffering that we are almost a, a, a hamstrung and we can't do great things for God. It's the ability to uh, make the tie and to have one strengthen the other. And that is one of the keys in terms of succeeding in Jesus Christ. I think of my own life and I think of the decades of, you know, walking in ministry with Jesus Christ. You know, I went to a uh, seminary when I was 21, and I'm now uh, 66, okay? So it's 45 years, you see? And I got to say, there were some really great times of um, ministry, overwhelmed. Some of them include the greater understanding of the gospel and the grace of Jesus Christ and his love for me, okay? Second, the ability to meet wonderful people uh, in Christ, people in Cornerstone and, and the fellowship and the friendship and the ability to care for each other that transcends, okay, the alienation that we find in this world today. And third, the ability to intercede for people, pray for people, and see marvelous answered prayer and the work of God in real time in our midst. There's great joy. There's great majesty. Perhaps I wasn't taken up as Paul talks about him into the third heaven, 
But anyone who does ministry can count numerous times that they would never give up the experience of what they have done in Christ. And oftentimes as believers and followers of Jesus, wherever we are, whether, you know, we are pastors or whether we are, you know, just people who serve at church, laymen, you know, all different sort of level, you know, all sorts of giftedness. It's good to understand that there is great goodness and benefit in following Jesus. But in the midst of this grandeur, theological and fellowship in terms of intercession, there's also the difficult times in life as we live our lives for Jesus. The grind I often talk about, the grind of life. You know, I went to seminary when I was 21 and, uh, you know, I wish I got a scholarship, you know? My wife had to work, I got married when I was 21 too. Uh, I worked. When I was in uh, getting my PhD, I worked for three and a half years washing trucks in the swing shift for United Parcel Service. And I wish, you know, I wish, I wish I didn't have to work so hard, you know. I was studying, and one of the things that occurred was that in the midst of getting my PhD and then, like, working nights, you know, I just, like, got so tired. I said, I didn't want to do it anymore. The grind. I had a, my first daughter was born bills to pay. I mean, could I do it? You know, I mean, it was really interesting. I think in every believer's walk in Jesus Christ, there's a time that says, you know, is it worth doing what I want to do? You know, is it worth, you know, should I just pull back? You know, one, the world's going on. The first one for me was financial. Okay. The second was moving. Okay. I've moved all across the United States. I was, I was, I grew up in New York city, as many of you know. Then I lived in Dallas, Texas for seven years. And then I lived in Chicago for six. And then in 1990, I've lived in California, okay? Within that time, I've had all different types of ministries, too. I was a pastor of a church in Chicago, pastor uh, in a ch church in San Francisco on the west side. I was a seminary professor for over 10 years and then went back on the pastor. And now I'm sort of a freelance, retired person, you know, moving around. And I got to tell you, moving around isn't that fun either. Sometimes I wish, you know, couldn't I just stayed, you know, where I was, you know, keep the friends that I had. And then one of the world I moved to California, it cost so much money to live here, you know, and you have the added burden of the financial responsibilities. Then I had the experience in ministry. I got to tell you this, you know, this is sort of a, a uh, a time of real sort of truth-telling. The most difficult times of ministry in the Bay Area was the constant change in ministry. In San Francisco, Bay Area, people move in and out, and they're looking for new things because innovation is one of the cornerstones of what makes this area great, okay? And so what was a, a, a booming ministry at one time while someone else develops some other ministry and ooh, you know, new people come in and they go to this other ministry, okay? And that had some wear and tear on me. Also, dealing with people in the ministry had a lot of wear and tear on me. I found that some of the greatest sort of antagonists 
in doing ministry for Jesus, ministry in Jesus Christ in the Bay Area, wasn't like the, the people who weren't following Christ. It was Christians, okay? Holy cow, it was Christians, you know? And then came the health difficulties and the um, problems that I've had. Um, over a, a decade, I had uh, dealing with some form of autoimmune that got me really tired and had arthritis in my hands. And it was really very difficult for me at that time. You know, I got to say, for the longest time, I couldn't see the connection between the two. Do great ministry, had perhaps maybe the false conception that if I do great ministry, then, you know, I would have less issues in life, you know. Because then, you know, I, well, why would God sort of like, you know, uh, uh, tire me emotionally and spiritually if I'm doing this great ministry? So there were times I was kind of, you know, spiritually down based upon the grind of life and the added sort of attacks because you're doing things for Jesus from the evil spiritual realm. And I don't think I'm the only one. I think we all who seek to do good things for Jesus experience this tension. And it's only when I began to understand how the two aren't opposed to each other, but they are connected to each other that I began to understand what the Apostle Paul was trying to say in verse 10. And I'm going to read it, chapter 12, verse 10 again. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, what in the world is Apostle Paul trying to say? One feeds into the other because when you understand that Christ is in control and is actually ministering grace to you at the times of weakness, you are reminded that you need Christ and that he has always been there. And that part of the roughness and journey and the suffering is to remind myself not to be enamored by what I've experienced or what I've done. But in my journey, I always need Christ. So in a strange way, you develop a contentment. And that contentment leads to a greater understanding of ministry and a more powerful ministry. Because you understand that what you do is not based upon yourself, but upon Jesus Christ and what he does in you. I'm, right now, I'm sort of semi-retired. I probably have more joy in ministry and do more things for Jesus Christ than I ever have imagined I'm very, very content because I finally put the two pieces together of the power of the content in weakness and the sufficiency of the grace of Christ to sustain me. Now, where are you in terms of uh, listening to this message, okay? I think uh, you could be in different categories of uh, this connection or disconnect.
For some of you, you may be doing great things for Jesus, but you hit a sort of rough spot in your life, a speed bump, and it's throwing you. And you have to learn of the sustaining grace, of the presence of Christ, and that weakness in life is not necessarily a bad thing, but a reminder of your need for Christ. For others, you are in the midst of learning this. Perhaps, and I mean, so many things are happening in society now that uh, are causing us uh, sort of chaos in the realms in which we live, financial, physical, spiritual, emotional. Perhaps you need to find the grace of God and the grace of God is there. The thing, here's one of the things. Understand that prayer is a really important tool that we have in Jesus, but prayer is not one of these things, oh, if I say it the right way, and you know, that's going to be answered, because you know, Paul is obviously going to say it the right way. But he understands the ability to combine answered prayer with prayers that are not answered in the way that he would desire. And understand he is in the great care of God. Maybe you are experiencing some unanswered prayer at this time. And you need to be comforted in a way beyond the words and beyond the circumstances that we live in life. Perhaps some of you are seekers in Jesus. This is one of the, one of the few sermons you've ever heard, you know, and you're saying, oh, wow, what's this about, you know? I thought, you know, I came to Christ because I needed to put my life together. Well, I'll tell you something, and this is really honest. This is really honest, uh, a word I'm going to say. Christ is going to put our lives together. But one thing about Jesus is that he's in for the long-term development in ourselves. He's preparing us to see God full-time in his presence. And in that development, it's more than just the removal of circumstances in life. Sure, the glory of experiencing Christ is there, just as the Apostle Paul boasts about his experiences of seeing God in his throne room. But more than just the experience is the development of each one who seeks after Christ. The reminder that we need him. You see, it's more than just the removal of circumstance. It is the understanding that Christ in us who follow him is everything. I need him all the time. This is real. That's kind of what it means to be abiding. Now, I'm going to end up with a story. And... Um, I met him in my last ministry. I met a, a man um, named George. I, I've mentioned George in some previous uh, messages recently. I met him um, when I, I did some uh, visitation to a VA a residential home, okay, uh, in the, the Mid-Peninsula. So uh, on one Saturday, I, I met up with some of the men there. And one of the men that I met up with was by the name of George. And George would, um, he was a regular visiting. And you're wondering, you know, what, what impresses me? 
That impresses me. When you regularly do visitation to people who perhaps can do nothing for you, but you encourage them and you pray for them and you do spiritual encouragement to them. Well, I got to know George and um, I found out that he had had cancer two other times and then a third time it had come back in a different form, leukemia. And I had prayed for him uh, that, that things would go well, that he would have treatment. Well, recently he had had a bone marrow transplant that seemingly was very, very successful. They had found a very good match. Uh, initial blood counts were going up. And uh, two days ago, he texted me uh, because uh, his recent blood counts were going down. And he said, he texted me and he said, uh, Jeff, uh, uh, there's leukemia still there, even though they had seemingly eradicated it in order to prepare his body for the bone marrow transplant. So within the hour, I called him. And I said, George, I was very you know, burdened by what I read. I asked him about what would happen in terms of you know, his health procedure. And then I asked him a question that was important for me to get to. You know, so how are you doing emotionally, spiritually, George? Because he's going through ups and downs. And he said, I'm doing well. I'm in the hand of Christ. You know, some people say that because, you know, that's what they want you to hear. But for George, I know that it's real. He really meant it. He has had a wonderful life. He has experienced Christ. But more importantly, he has abided in Christ within the grind of life. So in some degree, even in the midst of uncertainty, he has a confidence that is found in Christ. I don't know what is in your life at this time, but I could dare say that there are things occurring in many of you that are shaking you, shaking you, causing you to doubt whether you know, it's worth having faith in Jesus. I just want to tell you, it's quite worth it. And you have to understand that part of the grind of life is part of the stepping stone in understanding the majesty of Jesus Christ. And then that this preparation of what he's going to do to transform us so that we meet Jesus and we know that we need him all the time is part of the grandeur. It's part of the greatness that we find in Jesus. Let me have the ability to end in prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, regardless of where we are in you, whether we are walking in you, whether we are seeking you, whether we are suffering in you, allow us to understand the fullness that is found in you the grandeur in ministry and experience, the ability to sustain in life because of you, and the ability to overcome all the situations in life. For we understand that when we are weak, 
then I am strong through the grace that is found in you. Amen.
Well, the, the key is abiding. It really is. Loved ones, our strength is found in Him. On our own, we're not strong enough. Not the best of us, not the strongest of us. And like I say, who really knows that? But I think if we're really honest, we understand that we all have breaking points. We all have weak zones. We all need Jesus. And we need God. We need His strength at work in our lives. And the key, the key is going to be our abiding in Him. And, uh, you know, we're invited to do that. It's a great, it's a great blessing to be given the opportunity of relationship. It's what we've been given in Christ. Just remember how deeply loved you are. Do it all, right? You're loved. And my prayer for you is that our Lord would keep you in every way, in your spirit and in your soul and in your mind and in your body, wherever you need healing. That is my prayer for you in Jesus' name.